This episode is brought to you in part by our Major Spoilers VIP members around the world. Thank you for your support of Major Spoilers and the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you'd like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com and sign up today. Thank you in advance. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, we're creating an epic poem for the ages. As the king's family clashes with the house of ideas, the great detective meets his magician match. Swords and sorcery, chickens in peril, dogs and cats living together, sharing Halloween candy. Plus, hear the horses thunder down in the valley below. We're reading about the misfits of Avalon waiting for the eastern glow. One may not merely walk into Mordor, but four podcasting beasts are slouching towards Bethlehem because the major spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 593 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. Want to uh, thank everybody who uh, has been using our Amazon.com link. Yeah. That is great. It's always nice when people are like, hey, Stephen, I went and bought all of my company's computers through your link at Amazon.com. It's like, great. Thank you so much. Uh, So if you want to be, if you want to help us out, one of the many ways that you can help us out and you really don't have to do anything. Uh, We're not asking you to buy something of ours, but if you're buying something normally through Amazon, you click on that link over at Majorspoilers.com. Every purchase that you make through that link, a little bit comes our way. So it's nothing extra out of pocket for you. You are already going to buy that stuff anyway. So uh, helping out your friends here at Major Spoilers uh, does help us out more than you know. Uh, So here's what we got going on this week. Uh, a new Dungeons and Dragons board game coming out in March, Rodrigo. Ooh, is that exciting to you? Uh, it is. I actually like um, Wrath of a Shard along. Yeah, and uh, we played that a couple of weeks ago, and it was a blast. Interestingly, like probably the most interesting thing is, um, for example, Wrath of a Shard along, and those uh, like the Ravenloft one mm-hmm. um, used a lot of. Uh, fourth edition mechanics and fourth edition formatting for the game. Mm -hmm. So my guess is this new game that's coming out is going to try and have a lot more fifth edition. Actually, they said it's going to to use the same mechanics that they already have in place. So it's going to be still fourth edition uh, type stuff. But interestingly, there were um, in like Wrath of a Shardalon and I forget where else. Ravenloft. Ravenloft and Drist. um, There are some um, features in that game that now appear in fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, like sure. being able to break your move and, and doing those kinds of things that you couldn't, uh, that fourth edition typically doesn't allow you to do. Right, right. So I thought that that was kind of cool uh, when I was reading through the player's manual. Here's the cool thing that I like about this board game is it's accessible by nearly everyone. Uh, so I don't know if I told this story here. Uh, I know I talk about it on uh, critical hit, but, um, my son wanted to play this board game. I was like, all right, well, let's break out Wrath of a Shardalon. I'll run you through the solo adventure. And he was really sold on that. And he's like, well, Dad, it says between, you know, one and five players. So you and I could work together on this. So within a 24-hour period, he played Wrath of a Shardalon four times. Nice. And that's about – it takes about two and a half, three hours per game. <laughs> so he was loving it. On top of that, um, one of the times my parents had come over 
And uh, I was like, well, maybe we can get your grandpa to play too. My dad's never been into board games or that kind of stuff. And uh, so after we ate lunch, I was like, dad, come on downstairs. You're going to play a Dungeons and Dragons board game with us. He's like, okay. Came downstairs and I said, well, you've got all these different races and that you can play and in classes. I said, uh, you got a fighter. You've got uh, a barbarian. Uh, you've got a wizard. You've got, I want a wizard. <laughs> so he played wizard. Uh, Mason played a healer. And then after we were done with that, my dad was like, oh, that was a lot of fun. Oh, that was really a lot of fun. I said, well, maybe we can play again after dinner and maybe we can get my mom involved. And so it ended up all four of us, nice. my, my, my son's uh, grandparents, me and Mason all sat around uh, playing Wrath of a Shardalon until well past his bedtime. And he <laughs> ate that up. So um, we've got Legend of Drist. We played that years ago on the Critical Hit podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen Ravenloft. Raven, what is it? Castle Ravenloft. Ravenloft, L with an L in there? Okay. I don't have that one, but I may track that down. But uh, definitely in March, this was announced kind of at Gen Con and then uh, reaffirmed not too long ago that the game is coming out in March. So there you go. Nice. It's got miniatures. It really has everything. It's basically, if you're just doing a, uh, what is it, a dungeon crawl, a real quick dungeon crawl, that's essentially what it is. I mean, it's a board game. It's got Mm -hmm. lots of pieces, but it's a... Complex board game. Yes, it is. Because it follows. And, and the, the thing about it, if you guys haven't uh, played it or haven't listened to that episode of Critical Hit where we play it, is that it's, it has rules written into it of how monsters behave. So it's right. actually a cooperative game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not playing against each other. You're right. playing against the computer, basically. And the computer is like a complex set of rules. It's not difficult, but it's, you know, and basically monster behaviors. Although I did catch myself turning into Rodrigo several times. Now, Dad, read the card mm. all the way through. Mm-hmm. What does it say? <laughs> Let's do it. what it says. Um, but we had to house rule some things because there are some uh, some kind of devil creatures in, in uh, a Shardalon mm-hmm. that it's like when one pops up, two more pop up. And then you could, by the way the card's written, you could exponentially have a whole dungeon filled up with these things very quickly mm-hmm. so we were just like we're not even playing those creatures so and otherwise it was fun good times sure. so look for that in march i'm going to expect that in the what is it the january december january previews whenever that comes mm-hmm. out that it will probably be uh, placed in there although we will probably hear about it a little bit uh, sooner than that the other big news uh, this last week came out on friday uh, marvel and the kirby estate Settle their disagreement. And in a joint announcement, uh, they say Marvel and the family of Jack Kirby have amicably resolved their legal disputes and are looking forward to advancing their shared goal of honoring Mr. Kirby's significant role in Marvel's history. So for those of you who listen to um, Major Spoilers podcast, I want to say like a month or two ago, Mm -hmm. we had Dr. Melissa Hunsaker Walburn, who's a lawyer, on and we were talking about the copyright case and we were talking about this specifically because it was going forward to the Supreme Court. And we had a lot of good discussion about where the dispute came from, copyright. I would really encourage you to go and listen to that episode. At the end of that episode, we said, well, probably around October, we will find out whether the Supreme Court is going to hear the case or not. Mm -hmm. And... Looks like it's been taken out of the Supreme Court's hands. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thoughts on that, Rodrigo? Uh, it's a smart idea. It's a smart Why? idea to settle out of court. Why? Uh, because it's going to be less messy. And well, they've already been to court multiple times. They've gone through uh, regular court, circuit court, you know, court of appeals. Uh, they've been in court for a long time to get up to the Supreme Court level. Right. I mean, when you take something to court, um, 
the the law takes it out of your hands, right? So you are bound by whatever they decide. Mm-hmm. This way, you at least get to negotiate it. So, I mean, from in a very basic level, it pays off a lot of the time to settle out of court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matthew? Basically, Marvel Disney, uh, or Disney Marvel, whatever you want to call it, made the right call. Because here's the thing. Whatever the Supreme Court said about the works of Jack Kirby would also apply to the works of Steve Ditko and the works of Wally Wood and the works of Gene Colan and the works well, of not, all not, of the no, other No, 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 no. It would set a precedent. It wouldn't Correct. mean that automatically no, yeah, that's what he, that's what he was that, that ruling would fall somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, that, uh, exactly. Well, but when we're talking yeah, about the law, there is a difference no, right, between right. that it when, would automatically and potentially. Whatever that legal precedent might have been, there is a chance that this could have been, if and when a decision came down from the Supreme Court, this could have then snowballed into something else. So I oh, think, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the decision here, I think, is a good one. And it also gives Marvel late in the game, but it gives them a chance to say, you know, we are willing to try and play fair here. And even though, you know, it, this is an amicable decision by both parts, whatever they're saying. It does give Marvel a chance to kind of play the good guy and say, yes, we, you know, legally they didn't force us to do it. We decided that we were going to, you know, we were going to work well, with the Kirby family and make sure blah, 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 fish cakes, whatever. I, that's up. I think the interesting thing is, is that somebody blinked, right? Yeah, right. Somebody blinked in this case. Now, we don't know that it was Disney just because just because uh, the suit is over and the, and the case has been withdrawn by the Kirby estate. Doesn't mean that Disney said, "Here, we're going to pay you off all this money because it's it's going on." It could have also been that we're going to lose this case. Mm-hmm. The Kirby estate was looking at this because there was a really good chance in the way that the and I've said this before, the questionable or skeeviness business methods that uh, were being used in the '70s with creators, mm-hmm. um, the way that the law was written then could very easily have been have been in Marvel's favor. And so maybe because there may have been an offer on the table at some point, uh, Toborov went and talked to Disney and said, hey, why don't we just settle this out of court and we'll withdraw the case? Another sure. bonus to settling out of court is you don't have to disclose anything. Right. And no that's one, the thing that no one's going to know what the deal is. Unless, unless somebody talks, we're never going to find yeah. out what right. that is. Uh, now, there are some things. There are some times where there may be a limit on when that is. In the case of the podcasting case with uh, Adam Carolla, um, I think they said something like – 90 days or something that they couldn't talk about it and they certainly mm-hmm. couldn't talk about it while um what the is litigation it? Uh, the litigation was, was going mm-hmm. on with NBC and CBS and the other networks um so I'm sure we're going to find out from Adam Carolla soon what happened with that and eventually we're going to find out what happened here or what the agreement was here what do you think Zach uh hundreds of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars um probably millions of dollars you don't think hundreds of millions? Hundreds of millions is a lot of money. Well, let's that's, that's let's, a lot of let's money. look into this. So, Matthew, what are some of the uh, what are some of Jack Kirby's uh, co creations? Well, Jack Kirby co created Captain America. Okay, there's a movie on that one. Iron Man. Oh, there's a movie on that one. The Fantastic. Four. Oh, there's a couple of movies on that one. Jack Kirby had input, but uh, is not necessarily listed as a creator of Spider-Man. Oh, man, that movie made a lot of money. There was there was costume designing there. Mm-hmm. Let's see, who else did he do? Daredevil? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that with movie. With Daredevil's new TV series coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, that movie with Ben Affleck. And that movie with the Ben Affleck, the Thor. Oh, yeah, yeah, know, I remember that, that guy. That Thor guy with the hammer and yeah, the yeah. thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is what you do. You give him, here's $20 million. No. 
Uh, this is you think it's million, hundreds of millions of dollars? No, I think, I think it I is. Think this a, is here's an ongoing thing. Here is a, oh yeah, right. here is a, it's a percentage. Here is a here's two percent of everything yeah. that here's, we make off of these yeah. characters. Kind of like what was going on with Seagulls and Schuster's, where um, now that that uh, Superman suit is basically done, mm-hmm. um, they're getting a percentage of everything with the Superman logo, the Superman character, Lois Lane, all those characters that Siegel and Schuster created. That those estates are getting. Uh, portions of those sales. My guess is the same thing is here. And maybe it's not even 2%. Maybe it's 1%. But 1% of a billion dollars is how much a money? $4 billion. $4 billion? Are oh, you going to? You $100 million. A hundred yeah. million dollars. So even at 1%, it's already in the <laughs> hundred, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Now, maybe, maybe, we don't know. Maybe some black sedan pulled up. With a couple of guys with bandages on their nose. And Iron Man masks on. And they said, we sure would like you for you to sign this contract for this $20. <laughs> so we, nothing bad would happen to your family. I mean, I, lots it's of a things. a lovely Hulk you got here. It'd be a shame if something happened to him. Lots, lots of things could have happened. It could have been, it could have not been that. It could have been blackmail. Yeah. Like, hey, Kirby Estate, yeah. guess what we found out? Yeah, yeah. Or alternately the other way around. Hey, Marvel Disney, guess what sort of dirt we've got on you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm uh, not a big fan of the uh, lawyer that the that the Kirby's were using. Mm-hmm. Uh, same one involved in the Siegel Schuster stuff. Oh yeah, gets um, results. Yep. It's like Johnny Cochran, questionable, and just in his legal fees alone of that hundreds of millions of dollars that the Kirby's will probably uh, settle in, mm-hmm. he's probably getting seventy five percent of that. Wow. But but here's the thing that didn't happen. They didn't legally redefine work for hire, forcing Marvel to deal with 55 years worth of people going, well, but st- hey, this changes our deal, too. Well, but see, that's that's the thing is work for hire has been totally re redefined. So anything going forward since 1970, whatever, that's all been redefined. And, you know, that's why Rob Liefeld is jumping up and down about a Deadpool movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Um but what it does is it impacts families and estates who have had copyright claims or could potentially have copyright claims uh, for some of these uh, for some of these characters. Um, I think the weird part in all of this, the real weird part in all of this, I kind of wanted to see this go to the Supreme Court. I'll just say that I would I would because I was just going to be I'd be very interested in the legal law review and critique of the case. Mm-hmm. I was very interested in that. However, when this statement came out, and it's the only statement that's been out there from the uh, from both sides, you had two camps instantly spring up. You had one camp that was like, oh, Jack Kirby would be rolling in his grave because his grandkids sold him out for money. This is bigger than that. And then you had a second camp that was like, Jack Kirby would be so happy that his family is getting money because that's what Jack was always worried about is making sure that his family was taken care of. Yeah. So that's weird. Yeah. People have opinions. Well, people people always do that, regardless of who the uh, dead person in question is. Mm -hmm. They're always saying (laughs) stuff like that. Um, I've heard arguments uh, on both sides using, uh, for example, Martin Luther King. It's like, I don't think this is what Martin Luther King would have wanted. It's like, I think this is exactly what Martin (laughs) Luther King would have wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 
the founding fathers get mm-hmm. thrown around a lot. All the time. You know, George Washington. Mm-hmm. I think George Washington would hate this. It's like, oh. well, George Washington would be afraid of it because it knows <laughs> yeah. it, it's a it's a little tiny phone that talks to him. Yes. He doesn't even know what a phone is. That wasn't even Have around. You ever, you ever watched the uh, man show when they had that bit on uh, 1780s guy? It's like, what would happen if someone from the 1780s came forward into our time and you had to explain the way our society worked <laughs> with him? And it kind of that same way. Yeah, yeah. There's a little box and you talk into it, uh, that kind of stuff. So. I don't know if there's anything else left to be said. I mean, I guess this is good. I mean, if the Kirby estate is happy, if Disney is happy, if we still get our our Marvels and our Thors and our uh, movies and our TV shows and our T-shirts and our tennis shoes and our muffin tops and our um, (laughs) whatever else that they have. (laughs) Haven't you ever seen these little muffin topper things Uh, that have all the Marvel things? I ranted on this several years ago about that. Oh, are you talking about cupcakes? Yeah, muffins. I thought there was some new muffin top fad. Um, yeah, I, was, no. I do not think that word means what you think it means. Um, you know what a muffin top is, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah yes. Top, we do, we do top, top of the muffin. Of a muffin. We, do, exactly. we do know what that is. Uh-huh. Exactly. Top of the muffin tour, yes. Um, uh, so I guess, in a sense, everybody wins. Uh, where, where is the failure here? Nobody loses. Yeah. I don't know that well, everybody wins. And that's where I wonder if, when we look at creator of Ghost Rider. We look at the state of uh, Steve Gerber. We look at um, some of these other creators. Joe Simon's claim on Captain America before he passed away. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know where that sits for all of those other people because now essentially if they haven't started the process, which they should have 20 years ago in the nineties, it makes it much harder now for them Mm -hmm. to, if they want to get money. Now, there's a big, you know, and and part of me is, well, you signed a contract. Yeah. So you should be happy with what you got then. If you if you sold your Apple stock in, in 1982 and now you're whining and fussing because, you know, the stock is worth 10 times that amount, but, that was your decision to do that. But it's not entirely the same thing. I mean, if you... The Siegel and Schuster decision specifically is one where they felt like they got a good deal when they got their $300 the same year that DC made a million dollars off their property. I mean, at the time, it seemed like a good deal. In retrospect, to everyone involved, including the guy who was running DC Comics when it went to, to court, it was not really a fair and equitable deal. And when they finally, you know, went in the 70s, when they initially made their their points to try and help the Siegel and Schuster family, I feel like, you know, you could say, yes, they signed a legal decision in 1939 that was as legal and fair as they were going to get. But that doesn't make that decision necessarily fair in the long term, if that makes sense. Well, but, well, but here's the thing that you have to keep in mind when you talk about fair in the long term. People could have said, who's this stupid Superman thing? Bah, no one's going to buy this comic ever again. And no one ever buys another comic beyond beyond Superman number one. Siegel and Schuster are mm-hmm. coming out on top with their 300 bucks. Whew, glad we unloaded that. Yeah, I they mean, they didn't it, get their 300 bucks until after it was already a huge hit. Well, Matthew, what I'm saying here is I understand in I a contract situation, you don't know what's going on down the road. Now, today, there's a lot of those things that are negotiated in 
and these things are taken care of way up front and you better have a good entertainment lawyer that understands contract law when you're doing these kinds of things. Um, but today, if you sign a contract and let's say I sign a contract to write a book for five thousand dollars mm-hmm. and I get my five thousand dollars and I'm happy with my five thousand dollars because it pays off new equipment for major spoilers. And then I find out that that book is a number one bestseller and the company just made a billion dollars off of that. I shouldn't be the one going, well, you guys owe me more money now. No, because I signed that contract. Yeah, it is. It is slightly different. In the sense that um, nobody knew exactly what was happening, right, or what was possible, right. Um, when you become a book writer, especially a ghost writer, or you write like an individual chapter or something mm-hmm. like that, you have a reasonable expectation of what is going to happen with that book, right. Um, and you can, and you have that option to negotiate. Uh, back in the days where you didn't like where it was more profitable to illustrate the back of cereal boxes than it was to <laughs> design comic book characters, mm-hmm. um, nobody knew what a comic book could potentially right. become. Right. right. Um, you know, everybody talks about George Lucas being a visionary in that he retained the rights to Star Wars and that he retained yeah. the, the ability, the merchandising yeah. rights. Um, which everybody was like, oh, great, you're an idiot, awesome, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where do I sign? Mm-hmm. And then it turned out that he was actually, in fact, a genius. Right. Um, could have gone the other way, though. Could have gone the other way. Yeah. I mean, but but that's the thing is, like, he guessed at something that was hidden in American society. Right. And nobody knew about. Right. This, it was the same thing with superheroes. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew that superheroes were going to take off to such a degree. And right. now, today... Superheroes are a genre, mm-hmm. like Western or, I don't know, romantic comedy. Like, superheroes are a basic part of the pop culture language in right. the United States. Right, right, right. Yep. So what is... Oh, keep going. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, what is... the if, 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 if we're deciding this is not losing, what, is, what was the best possible outcome for this for everyone? I oh, the best possible outcome for everyone is this right now. What they did is yeah. where they didn't go to court. Yeah. Uh, the courts will even say um, that the that the best thing that the courts can do is not get involved in civil disputes mm-hmm. and let the two parties work work it out between them. It's why oftentimes you go to an arbiter um, right. uh, to to resolve the issues. But if um, if this would have gone to court, would it have helped those other cases? Uh, people it, it would only set claims. precedent and right. certainly, a, with, but certainly would have gone certainly with president that happens a lot yeah. and here's the thing again when you want to compare it to some other cases that are going on right now with um personal audio withdrawing their uh case against adam carolla and podcasters mm-hmm. is that they're just saying well we're settling now we're not going to push this any further but because they didn't go to the court stage because they didn't have to go through the whole trial and legal mm-hmm. battle it means that they can come back later and sue again. Yeah, sure. So, you know, even with this settlement, unless there's mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. clause in there that says you will never we will never hear from you again in regards to ownership of this. It does mean that the Kirby estate could come back and sue again. The Seagulls and Schusters did that multiple times with mm-hmm. D.C. Yeah. Oh, OK. So, I mean, this is the best possible outcome for everybody. Mm. Well, all right. Anything else on that? I don't think so. No. The only thing I would say is that I don't believe that legally having an obligation and perhaps morally feeling 
the need to deal with these these uh, family estates specifically in uh, a manner that maybe goes above and beyond what you're legally obligated to do is a bad thing. So, no, and I don't think anyone's uh, saying no, that, that it isn't. Certainly, but not, you know, if if this were coming up, there are people on the internet who are saying, yeah, but certainly, you know, if you had, if this had happened in the '90s when Marvel was at their worst, Marvel would have said. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Have your creations back. We don't here's, give a crap. Here's here's twenty dollars. Yeah, it's not worth anything. There you go. You want five percent of my company? Good. We're worth a dollar. Here's here's twenty. Here, cents. take all of Fleer Ultra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those kind of things. I can think happen. they did. Yeah. All right, so listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can uh, read about uh, all sorts of good stories over there and check out some uh, future content, including a couple of new Zach plays videos. Yeah, I started playing video games again. Yay for Yay Zach. Yay for that. I know everybody's happy. I'm, you know, I'm really happy, except then I was like, oh, then you, you end up buying more video games. It's like, well, should I buy this? Should I buy this? Yeah, I, I should. But, uh, no, it's good. Isn't there a humble bumble, hum, humble bundle going on right now? There's always a humble bundle going on. With uh, some Steam games? Oh, probably. I thought there was one announced today or something that you might want to go check um, out. There, yeah, I did see something. I don't remember what it was. Oh, it was Small World on like mobile. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. It's in a Humble Bundle. Mm-hmm. Humble yep. Bundle. There you go. Let us get to some reviews. Uh, so out this week is a book that I'm, wow, really interested in checking out. And I read it and it was um, not as bad as I thought it could be. It's Sherlock Holmes versus Harry Houdini number one. This is from Dynamite Entertainment. What's really crazy about this is that Harry Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle were really, really, really good friends uh, back in the day. Uh, And there's a couple of books. I think there's even a movie about their relationship um, just in the fact that Harry Houdini was always trying to bust the supernatural and Mm -hmm. they would go back and forth all the time on this. Um, So to see Conan Doyle's fictional creation interacting with Harry Houdini, a real person Mm. is really kind of crazy. So this takes place in a time when Harry Houdini went to London. There are accounts, real accounts of Harry Houdini going to Scotland Yard and them shackling him up and putting him underwater and uh, showing how he gets his, uh, how how he gets out of the jail and all those kinds of things. And of course in the cell next to uh, them is Sherlock Holmes. Who's been, uh, jailed for drug use, uh, being derelict on the street while being high. In this case, it's not cocaine or um, what's the other one? Heroin, uh, which are, quote unquote, legal drugs in the time period of the story takes place. <laughs> uh, instead, he's uh, he's whacked out of his mind on ayahuasca and uh, or ayahuasca. That's what it is. And um, in their back and forth about real and imaginary and how Houdini does all of his tricks, uh, some spirits appear and say, Harry Houdini, how dare you defile the spirits and try to discredit us tonight at your show? Someone will die unless you bow down to us, essentially. Mm-hmm. So Harry's like, ah, Peshaw, Sherlock Holmes, why don't you come to the um, performance tonight and see if you can figure out how I do all my tricks? And they get there and uh, sure enough, somebody dies. Big giant floating head appears. And uh, claims that uh, Harry Houdini didn't believe in them. So therefore someone dies. And that sets up the first the first chapter, the first Mm. uh, bit of this uh, story. It was really kind of fun. I mean, it really was. I'm just hoping that the big giant floating head isn't Rasputin because the guy did kind of have a little bit of a uh, 
V's in, in uh, scattered throughout his language in a couple of places. And he uh-huh. did have a big scraggly beard and mustache. Uh-huh. So I'm hoping it's not Rasputin. Um, and I <laughs> hope it's just somebody else. Uh, the art is fine. Uh, the art is, is pretty typical of what you see. There was nothing that was out of the ordinary or weird in this book that I didn't like. Uh, very solid story. Very entertaining. I liked it a lot. Sherlock Holmes versus Harry Houdini from Dynamite Entertainment. I'm giving four out of five slices of meatloaf. Matthew, what do you have for us? I have a comic book. Garfield number 30 from uh, Boom Studios. Boom Kids, I believe, is their, their particular kaboom lineup. And we actually, we were discussing this before the show. Apparently, Garfield doesn't get a whole lot of respect everywhere in the universe. Oh, no, but, no, he doesn't. No, he really doesn't. I want to tell you something important about this issue of Garfield. It is written by Mark Evanier. And if you don't know what that means, go read it and find out because it's actually pretty funny. Um, it's the Halloween episode of Garfield. Uh, issue, rather, episode. I'm thinking cartoons because this is written by the man who wrote the cartoons back in the 80s and 90s that uh, the widget loves so much now on Netflix. But when it comes to Garfield, I always think of two things. One, the cartoon, and two, that episode where he's you know dying under a table in an abandoned house. And it may or may not be that his entire existence is just a fever dream as he starves to death. That's a terrible thing. Don't think about that even if it is almost October. Is it October yet? I keep thinking it's not October. It, by the time it, this yep. comes out, it'll be October, I think. Yay! My favorite month of the year, except for the others. Um, the first story in this issue is basically your Halloween tale. Garfield doesn't want to give away candy to all the rotten normals in the neighborhood. And in order to get rid of Odie so Odie won't steal his candy, he fires Odie's stick out of a cannon. And it lands 12 blocks away in front of the crazy old witch's house. Did you know there's a crazy old witch who lives near Garfield, by the way? Apparently. Apparently. That kind of stuff happens all the time. Yeah. And Odie doesn't find a stick. Instead, he steals her magic wand. And they do a couple of gags in here that you can't do in any other media. Um, the, The wand isn't working, so it inverts the universe. So when this happens, the panels and the lettering and the borders are just inverted for that panel or that page. And it's really funny because you'll be you'll be going along and all of a sudden everything's upside down. And at one point someone actually comments on panel how stupid people are going to look reading this comic book upside down on the subway. I won't tell you how it ends, uh, but it's got some funny stuff to it. There's also what seems to be a devil running around, which kind of surprised me in a Garfield thing. I don't know if the American Greetings people are on board. But the real surprise for me, I and I know necessarily that Comic books aren't aimed at kid kids anymore, like five and six-year-olds. But the real surprise for me comes in the second story this issue, which is the story of a grown woman who's trying to find a good cosplay to do and decides to go as Garfield. And the art style is just so adorable. And it's not like a cartoon. It's not like a Garfield story. But it's really well done, and it's really weird because I don't know if it's what what the audience for this book is now. This is something that, you know, I, I enjoy greatly. This is aimed at maybe an older audience than I thought Garfield was. And then, of course, it has a couple of jokes in it that are not necessarily risque, but definitely above the eight-year-old mindset that I was expecting. But it's a really cool story. And then, of course, the issue ends with just some, you know, some old Garfield Sunday pages back when he was funny, Stephen. Was he? You know the he best Gar- you know the best Garfield comics. When's those? Garfield minus Garfield. 
Those are funny. Yeah, existential. Funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're trippy weird. They're, they're, they're really depressing for poor John, actually. Because, eh, never mind. I, you, the you same go thing as life. Calvin and Hobbes without Hobbes? Yes, but, but even Calvin and Hobbes, than... Calvin and Hobbes without Hobbes is more. Um, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. Like with this one, it is like John is insane. John isn't. Yes, he is oh, totally it's, crazy. It's disturbing because it, you'll see like a panel, and John will say something, and then a panel of nothing, and then in the, the last panel, it'll be this complete non sequitur without Garfield. <laughs> so the one that's the one that's up today, of course, it's just John in the panel. There's no Garfield. And he goes, "It's strange. Every time I go into the pet store, the goldfish scream." That's strange. He's just saying that to himself, right? And without Garfield in there for context, you're just like, what's going on here? Yeah. And they're really terrifying, actually. Um, But (laughs) getting back to this issue of Garfield, I am a fan of Evanier's writing. So I love the first story. The second story was surprisingly good. Kaboom, Garfield number 30. Four out of five slices of meatloaf. This was an entertaining book. This is actually my favorite comic that I've read so far this week, which kind of surprised me because I don't consider myself a Garfield fan per se, although I did have some of the really old strips in a, in a, like a hardback book where he was really fat and kind of scary looking when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I don't know. Four out of five slices of meatloaf. Surprisingly good. I shouldn't say surprisingly. It's good. I was surprised. And it has normal in it. There you go. All right. Rodrigo, what do you got for us this week? What I have for us this week is, is uh, Brides of Helheim, number one, uh, from... Oni Press. Oni? Oni. Uh, so... Uh, Brides of Helheim is actually a sequel, like a second volume to Helheim, which is a book that I didn't know. Like, I, I mm-hmm. wasn't aware mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and so, like, on the very first page, there's a there's a blurb about basically what happened in the last volume. And again, because I'm dense, I was like... <sighs> That's a pretty weak way to start your comic to just say like, oh, this cool stuff happened right oh. here. <laughs> now more stuff. And like the more I was reading through it, I was like, this really feels like, oh, I bet this is a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so so I had that going for me. Um, in this issue. Uh, hey. Sorry. Copyright um, infringement. Yeah. Well, the Peterson estate. Uh, yeah. So... Um, there is, so we meet two characters who are looking for the main character, uh, who is like a magical Norse Frankenstein, basically. Okay. Um, and then he fights a bear and there's some, uh, mysterious witch stuff going on without the context of the previous volume like it's clear that you're supposed to know who a lot of these people are and i didn't this is this is all like barbarian like kind of stuff yep, this is, i think i read the first issue yeah this that. is like so it's it's basically like if you've ever played skyrim yeah that's what this looks like all right um right down to the fact that they uh call this guy a draugr which is like a norse undead thing mm-hmm. which also shows up in skyrim right um uh the art is by Joel Jones mm-hmm. and it's really good. Um 
I was not aware of Joel Jones before I picked up this book, but now I'm very aware because I actually like it a lot. I would actually liken it to a way more under control Umberto Ramos. Oh, wow. Um, like it's, it's stylized, but doesn't go over the top, but still allows for like, like extreme expressions, like somebody going like, and it's still like, uh, warps the character's face, but maintains, uh, that, that sort of thing. Um, so actually I liked that a lot. I'm, uh, interested to keep reading this book mostly for the art. The story might be interesting, but again, I'm, I, I feel that I got, I mean, I, I got dropped into the second season of this basically. Sure. So I don't know what anything is. Uh, I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf. It wasn't, it was a fine read. There's cool things going on, but again, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not coming in with the level of context that I should have. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. All right, cool. Uh, that is out this week from Oni Press? I think so. Okay, excellent. Zach, what about you? Yes. I am reviewing Chew number 43 from Image Comics. It was out last week. Mm-hmm. And this is the third issue in like the ninth arc or something of Chew. Uh, this is the Chicken Tenders arc. Ah, okay. And what it seems to be happening a lot in this arc, which seems to be a theme kind of since like the halfway point of issue 30 is... Tony Chu is not in the forefront of the comic as right. much as everyone else is. Yeah. John is in there and his olive, uh, his daughter and all the whole other gang is all kind of taken front and center uh, for a lot of the story. And it hasn't lost a beat. It's honestly like probably some of the best uh, stories from Chu are coming out right now where Tony gets tossed in and he's still an integral part of what's happening, but developing even more, all the characters that are around him has been excellent. And that's exactly what happens this one as uh, John, his agent, cyborg friend, uh, th- he goes on a mission with Olive because they've teamed up with Savoy. They're going to start doing some crackdown on Mr. Giant Sebabath uh, Vampire Man, the Collector. They need to test Olive, uh, who has been training with Savoy, and we get a nice montage of really how she's kind of collected powers herself through her training. She can do the chocolate carving thing, and mm, she can do mm-hmm. the, the making of the weapons from the tortilla stuff now, and she's pretty much just a straight-up badass uh, with a sword. And so they're kind of giving this last test before they uh, go big. Uh, one of And then... So everything happens. A lot of stuff happens. Uh, the mission is pretty much successful, and we again learn Olive is like ten times more powerful than her dad is. And then there's a like uh, at the end of the issue, they're like, "Hey, now we're gonna go attack uh, Vampire Collector Man." And then they do this thing. Actually, do it, I think they do it twice in this issue, where they they jump forward. The you actually we actually jump to the final issue at one point in this issue. I can't remember if it's this issue or the issue before, but I'm pretty sure it's this issue. They jump to the final issue uh, for a moment, but then the last uh, image of this issue is a jump to next issue mm-hmm. with Olive, and things don't be uh, looking the best for Olive in the next issue. 
hopefully they pan out better. But uh, things are going to get rough from here out, I think. Oh. Is uh, this a... Does this have a set in? This is this is over in issue sixty. Okay, issue sixty is the last one. Okay. Yeah, right. uh, the last issue of this arc or the last issue of the book. Last issue of the book is issue sixty, and they've they've been pretty set on that for long time. a long time. Like, I think probably, much like they probably started in the twenties or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, that's when I first knew of it because they said halfway was thirty, and mm-hmm. they pretty much reference it all the time now. Uh, art by Rob Guillory, of course. Again. Fantastic art. They do some of some of my favorite gags are happening now since they introduced uh, Poyo, who's yeah. been like one of the greatest introductions to any comic book ever. Uh, I love it so much because now even if he's not in the issue, which he actually is in this one, you still get a two page splash of Poyo uh, fighting some giant horrific monster. Mm. And it's a huge raid, and they give it some weird name, and it's always great, and I look forward to it. Uh, and then the one that's been going pretty much since the start of Chew is them uh, sexualizing Robert Kirkman by putting his face on Buffman's bodies. They always do it in <laughs> Olive's room or just around in the world. And so in this one, if you look in the back of Olive's bedroom, you can see three posters of Robert Kirkman's face on uh, Conan the Barbarian's body from uh, the Schwarzenegger movie. Now, is it an illustrated or is it like a No, no, no. It, it's, it's like a picture of like an actual yeah. photocopy of Conan and then the picture of Robert Kirkman's oh, face funny. on top of it. It's all over the place in this book. That is funny. It's good stuff. Uh, I love you. I think it's gotten just better and better every week. The art and the writing and the character development is so good. Uh, I'm super excited for this book to get to the end, but I'll be kind of sad when it ends. I'll be actually pretty sad. I've, uh, this is one of the first things I got into my started reading comics. Uh, and I love it all the time. There was a big break in between this issue and 42, probably two or three months. Uh, they've been kind of, a little sporadic uh, lately with the release schedule, but keep your eye on it. You'll find it, and then uh, you'll get to enjoy it also. I'm going to give this four and a half, or not four, four slices of meatloaf. Excellent. Thank you, Zach. Uh, listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com, and you can find many, 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 many more reviews, including a new review on A Town Called Dragon Number 1. I think that's by Judd Winnick is, uh, who, who does that one. Uh, many reviews every day. Or pretty much every day, reviews up on the site. So go check it out over there. And while you're over there, be sure to, uh, well, be sure to get yourself a pair of tweaked audio headphones. Everybody needs a pair of tweaked audio headphones. They sound great. They look great. And best of all, the company's great. I got to be honest. Mm -hmm. Every time I've dealt with them, great, pleasant people. If your head, I've known people that have said their headphones have gone bad. Tweaked audio replaces them free of charge. So that seems pretty cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. Good ethic there. Tweaked that audio. is. And even better, when you go over to tweakedaudio.com and you buy yourself a pair of headphones, use the checkout code MAJOR and you're going to get one third off the price. Thank you, Tweaked Audio, for sponsoring this portion of the Major Spoilers podcast. Let's do a poll of the week. A poll. So, uh, two weeks into Gotham, how many of you watched episode two? I did not because I don't have cable. So I have to watch it on Hulu and I have time to watch it before ah, okay. it came over here. Rodrigo? I thought it was on Fox. It's on Fox. It's on Fox. But he doesn't have cable. So he was watching it on Hulu. Oh. Yeah. Okay. What? What? Oh. What? You don't, doesn't Fox come in over the air? Oh, yeah, but I don't have one of those things. Oh. An antenna? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, I see where the confusion All right. is. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I was just confused. Did you watch week two? 
I I haven't. I was going to, but I got mega busy. I was, yeah. Matthew, what about you? Yeah, I wasn't interested. In so back. I watched week two today, episode two today, mm. and it's called Selena Kyle mm-hmm. for a very good reason. And I'm on board with this show now. Okay. They went in this week and basically said, you need to keep following this Wayne murder case. And worked out well. They have they did not introduce they I say that they didn't introduce <laughs> any new Batman characters, uh, you know, like from the comic books that you would right, recognize right, any right. bat villains. Although there was one point where in that well where they had these kids all captured. There was a really scaly one. No, there was something down at the bottom of that really deep well. And I don't know if that was supposed to imply that mm-hmm. Killer Croc was down there or mm-hmm. what. But um Penguin uh, continued his storyline, and I'm really liking his character development. Oh yeah, yeah I thought as somebody who's going to have to, yeah, I thought Penguin was one of the stronger characters. So for building a character and watch that character grow, Penguin is it. Jim Gordon is continues to be strong. Uh, Bullock continues to be strong. Donnell Loge is great. Um, Fish Mooney was not as. Chewing the scenery as, as uh, Jada did last week in the in the pilot, um, still not convinced that she is the the strongest a, a strong scary character. She's going to be the breakout hero of this. You you mark my words. Maybe I don't know. I mean, oh, she, she wants around. she wants power. She wants to kill the Falcone, uh, Carmine Falcone, and take over his business. And uh, I don't know. It just it just seems weird uh, with that. Um, thank God, no Poison Ivy, no other Joker references, mm. um, no Harley Quinn references. Um, Is Enigma back? Edward Enigma did appear in this episode. Yeah, because yeah, he's like the he's the CSI, yeah, guy. he's their yeah. CSI guy, and he does help with this cool. case. And it really, I mean, when you watch that character, you can really see because he's somebody who's really smart, mm. but doesn't know how to communicate with people. So mm. that's why he's always asking questions and riddles. And when they're like, "Thank you." goodbye he just kind of stands there with a big goofy smile on his face and they're like no no no. thank you goodbye leave mm. then you can kind of tell he's like oh well now i'm a little dejected but he doesn't walk out the room with his head hanging down um so that would be another interesting character to see how they develop but i think they need to develop him over like five seasons sure but the growth of what's going on with the penguin is really really cool how he's just trying to build himself back up and figure out how he's going to tear everybody down um Selena Kyle was not necessarily a needed character in this episode. Interesting. Does she actually talk? She does talk. Hey. Uh, because at the end of the episode, she's basically talking to Jim Gordon, say, saying, I know who killed the Waynes because she saw it. Mm-hmm. And that's how the episode ends. Um, spoiler. Going to wrap that murder up quick. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think they are either. But I mean, if she could ID him. That'd be helpful. Yeah. Um, they did. Uh, they did make a reference to Dollmaker in this. Um, which not necessarily a Batman doll man. Well, see, they didn't use doll man. They said doll maker, hmm. which is a little odd. Wasn't, wasn't that the guy who cut off uh, the Joker's um, face? Yeah, maybe. The doll maybe. Um, but the aesthetic was still there. Every, everything was still good. They didn't replace any actors that I could tell. Um, they did have a Batman. They did have Bruce Wayne moment in there. Yeah, where that's, he's. I'm mm-hmm. certain that's going to be a well, once per yeah. episode. Thing. And that, and you know what? When you think about it, if this is a story about the city of Gotham, sure. Even though it's more police procedural, it's not called Gotham City Police Department. Right. It's called Gotham. So I can see several storylines going on at the same time. Where every once in a while we look into Bruce Wayne and see what he's doing. 
We look into Selena Kyle and see what she's doing. We look into the main police story and see what's mm-hmm, going on. Mm-hmm. We look into Penguin and we see what's going on. I can see that. But this episode I thought was much, much better than the first. Um, and, I, you know, it's good. I liked it a lot. So the major spoilers poll of the week this week is Gotham. Yay or nay? And for me, I'm on board Gotham Yay. Zach? I'm I'm Gotham Yay. I'm still going to – I still have to watch the second episode like I said. Uh, but I'm actually planning on watching the second episode, which is kind of a big deal because it's yeah, an hour no. chunk of time. You yeah, have yeah. to actually sit down well, and watch on, it. Well, Hulu, I guess, well, inserts like commercials, but it's like 40 it's, minutes. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. not very long. But uh, to actually take the time and try to watch an hour-long program now when I'm usually just tough. watching some uh, yeah. just like 20-minute show or over lunch <laughs> or something, eh, it takes some commitment. Six-minute Rebecca which is, Black. Which is insane. But Yeah. Rodrigo? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm still curious about what they do with the structure of it, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't get a chance to see it. So I'm going to be a yay because I, I am going to keep watching it at least for a little bit. Ooh, the mayor features prominently in this episode. Oh, oh, that's a, that's he's good. he's in there for about five minutes of the entire show. Yeah, I was uh, I was hoping they'd do uh, Batman well again, but yeah, that been fun. <laughs> but he's good too. Um, however, Gotham has a lot to compete with because uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine is back on TV. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I actually watched the pilot episode of Blackish and I really liked it. It's called Blackish or Blacklist? Blackish. Blackish. That's two different shows. <laughs> okay. Different show. Yeah. Blacklist yeah. is something different. Okay. Yeah. Blackish is a sitcom. Oh, okay. All right. And what's it about? Uh, it's about a black family that is successful and lives in the suburbs <laughs> and basically what it is like to be a, a, a family of color completely surrounded by wealthy suburban white people. Mm, okay. Interesting. What's that on? Fo- uh, not on Fox. Uh, it's on ABC. ABC. Okay. All right. Worth checking out? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, I think it's got it's got an honesty to it that I haven't seen uh, like in regards to race on mainstream TV in a long time. How long do you think that'll last? I Oh how well it's gonna go at least one season, and because it's got the muscle of uh, Lawrence Fishburne behind ah, it. Okay, so yep. he's an executive producer, as is the guy who plays the main character, whose name I forget. He was in Transformers, and he was in Hawaii Five O. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, he's also in Kangaroo Jack. Ah uh, yes, great movie. Also that <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, I've been looking for some other shows to start watching because yeah. I'm starting to get caught up on stuff. So like today, I watched. I don't know why. I, I guess I listened to a couple of interviews, uh, one about that Scorpion TV show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd heard an interview with him. I was like, well, let me go and, and check out this show. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. And then um, the other one is Person of Interest. Have right. you seen yeah. that show about the tracking? About the numbers Yeah, people? yeah, the numbers uh, people. I've heard a lot about it. I haven't actually I heard an interview it. with those creators. And I was like, okay, well, I'll go and, and check out your show and see what it's about. So I you watched You should watch those. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I, I, really I debated on it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it may show up on my list tomorrow it's because I was just like, ah, do I go for it? I know everybody's been talking about it. The first season is really good. Ari okay. and I have been plowing through it on Hulu. Yeah. We're like on episode 20 already. Okay, well, yeah. check it out on Hulu. Yeah. There's some ugh, bad stuff on Hulu. Some of their original programming. <laughs> Matthew Gotham Yay or Gotham Nay? I have to go Gotham Nay because it's kind of a perfect storm of things for me. Monday night is way, way overbooked as far as my thing. I can record two shows at a time. My wife has like five shows that she watches on Monday night. Uh, plus, I, 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 I can't get past the whole cognitive dissonance of the show – 
having that thing of Jim Gordon has come to clean up Gotham, but we know that that's Batman's job, so we know he's going to fail. And then it also comes down to I've never been big on comic book adaptations because I have so such specific voices in my head that if you go and you adapt a comic, you know, and I'll, I'll be like, well, actually, episode 235. And my, my inner nerd just kind of geeks out. So I, unless they have like a big stunt episode where like baby Robin comes to town and saves the day or something, I was, I'm probably I, out. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, he watched it. And we were talking about like, it's like, what do you want out of Gotham? And he was like, well, you know, I kind of like this, but I'm really not crazy about it. I give it a season and I don't think I'm going to it. And like I told him, I was like, what I want out of Gotham is them showing how the freaks take over. Yeah. Um, because, you know, uh, in, in yeah. Batman, they have established that it used to be the mob right. and then the freaks yeah. come in and yeah. they take over everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I want to see Venom on the streets as a drug. I want to see <laughs> basically Star Labs, a Star Labs facility being raided and mm-hmm. then people running around using like hyper technology and stuff but i don't think that's the direction that this is going to go i don't know if it'll go no. wacky wacky but i mean there's enough there's enough of the uh true crime and, and not uh vi- um super villain crime sure. there's enough of true crime stuff that goes on in gotham that you can i think can still sustain a series well, and again maybe i know i could have swore that we did uh, gcpd first volume we did would you, you guys be interested in doing another volume of that or not? I can't sure. remember what everybody's sure. interest uh, level I didn't was. read it. You didn't hate it. It okay. was pre-Zach. It was not terrible. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll I think I, I was kind of ambivalent and you guys were like, hey, this is cool. I do like Renee Montoya, so hey. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Hey, uh, all I know, I uh, did see someone tweet an image from season or episode, second episode where it was like Empire's like aquarium business or whatever. And a yes. big trident on a billboard. That's kind of the big spoiler for this episode. Is there's this, Oh, is it awesome? I mean, that's kind of where the story revolves around. We don't uh, know if there's deeper meaning behind it, but there's a shipping yeah. company called Trident Industry or Trident Shipping, mm-hmm. which in the first shot, yeah, you see it as a big billboard. And I was like, oh, that's nice that they lit that up nice and pretty so we could catch the reference to possibly what it's referring to. Sure. But then um, it becomes a part of the story uh, later okay. on. So. Um, just in the fact that they're shipping kids out. And then uh, along with your giant expanding universe theory, I saw people uh, postulating that Arrow and Gotham could cross over because they've both now referenced Dollmaker. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, so that, I mean, it could. I'm, I, I, that'd be a little bit tougher, but yeah, sure, go ahead. If yeah. they do it, great. If they I, do I, it, great. I, I don't think they're No, I don't think they're right. Well, I, they, they are talking, they are talking right now about... Um, in the back half, at least, um, Flash and Green Arrow crossing sure. over one more time sure. in this season, but which makes sense. The headline was, are Arrow and Gotham crossing over? And I was hoping to click on it and just said, no. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, you know, you're dealing with a, a shared universe. They're obviously going to name check some of oh, the yeah. concepts. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, how does the rest of the major spoilers nation vote this week, mate? Uh, Matthew? Well, Unsurprisingly, 87 votes in the bag right now. 86, forgive me. 64% saying Gotham, yay, they're on board with the adventures of Jim Gordon as the freaks take over. Only 36% saying Gotham, nay, which is not what I really expected. What'd you expect? I kind of expected more overwhelming one way or the other. I figured that either the Bat fans would say, yes, it is great, or the people would be like, you are stupid for not giving it a chance, or people would be, you know, just completely smashing it, but... It's not like it's a bad program. I enjoyed it. 
up to a point. I thought it was pretty stylishly done. I'm just, I don't know. It's not, I, it's not a program I, that I, I want to watch. Every I mean, I, like uh, in a lot of ways to me, it's the, the whole Batman thing is really a double-edged sword. Yeah. Like you, like there are things about it where I'm like, cool, Batman stuff. And there are some times where I'm like, this would be so much better if there was no Batman stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, like, that and like that, I just like flip moment. back and forth every time. And well, it's not the honestly, references. Like a lot of the time, the references, I'm like, Oh, come on, guys. Honestly, when they brought Bruce Wayne back in, in for this episode, I was like, uh, I don't know if this is the way I want my Gotham show to go. But then when I thought about it as we're looking at the city of Gotham and the stories in, that take place in there, and here are four four specific storylines we can be following, makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. hey, uh, Zach, look at this bloody thing over here. Yeah, I was like, Stephen, what are you doing? Uh, we've got an inside person who listens to our shows and a fan yeah. who's working on the uh, Constantine TV series. Oh, okay. <laughs> So there you go, little sneak. Jeez. Listeners at home, you can what? pull your ears out because uh, and your eyes out because uh, what? I can't show you this picture. Uh, All right, what? <laughs> can't show it to me either because it's on a monitor yeah, on a that's angled monitor. away here, here from me. It's Man. disgusting. Ooh, practical. <laughs> it is, and that's what yeah. I like. That's yeah. what I like. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, we done that. We done that. We done that. Did hey, that. Listen, hey, we want you to get involved in the Major Spoilers <laughs> podcast. Um, there is a post over the Major Spoilers page. I'll put a link here in the show notes, and I'll probably move it uh, more front and center on the website so you can see it. We want you to call in and participate in the show, uh, helping us do intros and outros and sponsor bits and all sorts of things. And you can do it one of two ways. You can send us uh, MP3, send them via email, or you can call our Major Spoilers hotline at 785 785- Seven two seven one nine three nine, and uh, we would love to get you involved with that as we get to our lead up of episode six hundred. So out this week, I think it's out this week from Dark Horse Comics is the first collection of Misfits of Avalon, which is a web comic series written by Kel McDonald, and um, these four teens mm-hmm. have to find Excalibur. And they're given magic rings that give them superpowers. Is that yes. about it? Uh, yes. Well, then, yeah. What else? What, what am I missing uh, here, Rodrigo? Well, they're um, generally misfits, I would say. Right. I mean, as, mm-hmm. as the title right. implies. Right. Like, they don't, they're kind of all, except maybe for one of them, kind of juvenile delinquents. Yeah, sure. One of them seems to be a very uh, smart, well-to-do yeah, like kid. Straight-laced. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah but even thing. even she's a misfit in her own way. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, fact that they're all girls, all women. Yep, all all women. High, and um, all in high school. Well, right. except mm-hmm. for one of them who's 12, which they keep reminding right. her. Yes. Um, Shut up, Kipper, you're 12. Their guide is a magical fairy dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Kushi. Kushi. Okay. Kushi, Kushi, Kushi. And he is a dog that turns into a man. Not a right. man that turns into a dog, which That's is kind right. of important because one of the characters kind of has a crush on him. And uh, and the, I guess and the other one won't. The other one him. was like, mm-hmm. don't don't say anything to her. Um, and the I think the interesting thing about this, at least in this volume, is that it's divided into four chapters. Mm-hmm. And every chapter we get the story from a different character's perspective. So in the first chapter, and I, for, I forget the character's Morgan name. Is Morgan is the, the first girl. One. And so we hear the story through her. And then we hear, hear it through her, um, not friend, but her person. Her, she her rival. Her mm-hmm. rival. They get into a lot of fights a lot. And then we hear it from her. Then we get it from Kimber's uh, point of view. And then we get it from the uh, 
right. the straight the straight lace girl. We get mm-hmm. it from her point of view. And so from a storytelling, I think that's kind of interesting because yeah. then you can jump to another character without um, and, and advance the story without being stuck with Morgan the entire time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a problem a lot of times when um, you have a central character and it's like, well, that person has to be the central focus sure. and we can never it's, cut uh, away to something the, else that's the, going on. It's the constant problem of first person narration, right? right? Especially yeah. in something like this, which is also somewhat of a mystery mm-hmm. because – uh, the dog will not give them all the answers and they have to figure it out themselves that they're looking for Excalibur and um, that Arthur or maybe Merlin has come back in a different form and they have to track him down. Although I think by the time we hit the end of the yeah. book, we all know there's a, there's a, at least a very strong, uh, if there's a swerve, if there's a swerve that totally throws it off Billy, yeah. then I'll be really impressed. It could, it could be, I think it could be, you think it could be it's, Billy, or you think there's no, a swerve? No, I think I think there could be a swerve oh, okay. there because yeah. it's it's very straightforward. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 actually really well put together because they give you just enough information for you to make the leap, and right. that is like just prime red herring moments, right? It's like yeah. when you get the audience to make the leap themselves, and they feel so <laughs> very smart about it. That's when you can just slap them in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as soon as he said his name, I didn't trust him. Kushi. Uh-huh. No, don't. I don't trust him. Anytime I see she, I'm like, nope, 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 nope. And I don't know if that's just you know my thing or my perspective. But I really liked the fact that a lot of times when you get like your kid protagonist, your kid protagonists don't feel like real characters, and they certainly don't feel like real teenagers. These kids are kind of jerks <laughs> in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah. So I was trying to do Obviously. some. I was trying to do some research, and I don't know where Kel is located at. Um, but this does not feel like these kids are. This is a story that does not feel like it's set in the United States. That's possible. I was I was going back and forth on that because it could it could right. just take place someplace that I'm not very familiar with, um, but. It makes a lot of sense because of all the Gaelic stuff mm-hmm. and all the, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they do yell Gaelic pretty, you know, pretty yeah, constantly. Yeah, because if someone said, hey, say this Gaelic phrase, I'd be like, uh, <laughs> Klaatu Barada Necktie. Yeah. Uh, and then hilarity would ensue as the uh, undead swarm my body. Yep. Um, the other thing is, I don't think that this is set in present day only because of what's the second girl, the blonde um, what's Elsie. her name? Elsie. Elsie? Mm-hmm. She is dressed so 90s. Like 90s. She's yeah. dressed like Jubilee almost. Really? I mean, it, it could just be that because there's a like um, ancient uh, like ancient uh, British Isles feel to this mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. that's why there's such a, a prevalence of plaid. Right. Yeah. But um, or they could just be in like Portland. Well, yeah, well, yeah. but also yeah. because Morgan, she's dressed all in flannel all the right, time. Right. And it's like, well, that's yeah, that's, that's more of that's a '90s type, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I just to me, it just felt like this was not in the United States and it was not in present time. Well, how oh, that's interesting. So by present time, do you mean you like 2014? The year 2000? No, no. I mean, the, the not in present time. Do you mean you just mean the 90s, or do you? Yeah. Mean, you don't he means mean he means back. Yes, right, he means okay. 20 years ago, not 50 years ago. Okay. Yes. When did this? Was it at what? Well, one, I didn't know this is a webcomic, which makes kind of a lot more sense. Uh, 
when was this first being published online? I was looking for a date. Well, it looks like this uh, first one started in uh, just in 2014 in uh, February. Wow. So, of really? 2014. That's what the chapter one, Morgan the Air Raven, the uh, the website most web comics have a tag built into the yeah. naming of the file, so yeah. it works with their WordPress system. And this one says 2014 02 MOA 1-1.jpg. Oh. I thought there was like three volumes of this, though. Wasn't Morgan playing this is with the first collected DS one. early Yeah, on she was this. playing with a DS, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I don't know, because you're you're dealing with characters who wouldn't necessarily have access to levels of technology that would clearly say... This is not 2014. I mean, you know, 12, 13, 15-year-old kids sometimes yeah. but don't often have cell phones. In no, that's true. Sure. Yeah. And a lot of these, like, actually the majority of these kids also seem to be from low-income families. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Right. you know, the prevalence of cell phones in kids kind of correlates to higher levels of wealth a lot of the time. The other thing that's interesting is there's some diversity in these characters. Yeah. Right? Uh, which is nice. Um uh, this is black and white, though. Did that impact your reading? Not really. No. I mean, I thought. I it, thought there's there's a really it, strong, um, like the the art design of it is pretty strong. So I it it didn't mm-hmm. detract from it for me. I actually found the interiors more attractive than the full color cover, simply because looking at the full color cover, their their plaids. And their whole, you know, their their uh, warriors of Avalon costume things almost look a little too garish for me, and that that may just be my color sense. But I really liked the black and whites. I really liked the interiors, and I I really enjoyed the effects that came specifically with Kimber throwing her fireballs and such. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really skilled use of light and darkness. I, I you know I like the black and white. I think better than I would if it weren't color. Yeah, I agree. I really was really on board with the all black and white. And I just looked at the the color cover again for the first time since reading it. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember, is the not, the one, the girl that gets introduced last, I forget what her name is. Uh, right. She has red hair. Yeah. 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 Not, did not picture her with red hair while reading this. Yeah. She was more like blonde. Well, I pictured her as red. I pictured her as a little Irish girl with red hair and freckles and pale skin. But, you know, that's not actually something that's on the page (laughs) what um i mean i kind of enjoyed this series i'm hoping that there's a swerve i really do because otherwise it just seems too too telegraphed and if you go if you go up to the website um the last installment of this although there's supposed to be another update on october 7th of another page the book actually concludes more than what's currently up on the website oh wow yeah oh which oh, I found spoilers. very interesting. Yeah, exactly. Spoilers. But I, I think there has to be. It's kind of a tradition in these sort of stories that if you set up that trickster mentor who doesn't give you the whole story, that you're going to have the big, oh, my God, everything you know is wrong. And, and do you like that? Out. Do you and, like that character? Uh, I think it's I don't have a problem with it, but I think. I mean, I think he is set up as someone who's just not telling them everything. Yeah. You know, if you just take a step back and you're like, well, these guys are basically fighting King Arthur. It's like King Arthur is generally in most stories the good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of two things is happening here. Either this book is like, no, King Arthur wasn't the good guy, which is fine and interesting. 
or they're very much setting up like it's like oh yeah you're actually all being tricked into doing bad things yeah. mm-hmm. right and they they try to bring that up multiple mm-hmm. times uh but each time the dog is like I'm not answering your questions no yeah. way right yeah and he's i mean he's kind of a, a little bit malevolent in the way that he talks to these kids i don't know if i'm reading too much into it but it seems like he's Clearly just kind of throwing it at the wall to see what sticks. And if these girls all die horribly, well, he'll try again tomorrow. I mean, he does not feel like he's entirely on the up and up to me. What else? Anything else you guys like? What about dislike? What do you dislike about this? Uh, the, the, the switching of narration. You didn't like that? No, I just like it took me a, like two chapters to realize that we were just like bouncing between the characters completely. Because I was like, we're going through the first chapter with one character. And then, so naturally, I just kind of expected her to be the character. Mm. And so then I had to, like, pay attention. I was like, this isn't the, like, this isn't the character. Like, uh, and then I thought it was just bouncing randomly between the characters every once in a while. But then they came, it came through. So that's nice. <laughs> uh, I actually kind of didn't like the characters. Yeah. They're, oh, yeah. Because they're, they're, they're all horrible. Yeah. They're all, like, it's not even that. It's just, like, they are, like constantly bickering mm-hmm. just constantly constantly bickering and at no point is there any moment where you're like oh okay well but friendships are gr-. i mean there is a little bit of that <laughs> but it's just like so slow after reading four chapters there's nothing and here's the thing mm-hmm. uh the last girl gets introduced and she's really smart mm-hmm. she treats uh kimber a little bit better right. and i'm like oh good our peacemaker has been introduced we switch yeah. to her narration and she's a huge she's jerk horrible. yeah she's like she's oh, just, these, these she's people just are idiots. not saying out loud mm-hmm. the terrible things she thinks yeah. about everyone else i had nothing to hold on to in this book yeah i was like, gonna i just there were no characters that i liked i understand the whole a bunch of people who don't get along together are forced to get along mm-hmm. uh, in order to solve the problem um but again if this is three volumes they've got the whole second act to get their act together mm-hmm. the whole second volume and then really show their um team force five or whatever that they're, they're right. gonna have in in volume three so i kind of went with that but i just thought that Man, they are really evil. To, and evil is a pretty strong word. They're very hateful towards one another. Yeah, and yeah. They, and I didn't really find a lot of redeeming qualities in no. any of them. It's, it's like someone wrote this like, oh, kids make fun of each other all the time when they're friends, which is partially true. Yeah. But it's not all the time. It's like you might you might razz someone every once in a while, get under their skin. <laughs> But uh, it's not 90% of your dialogue when you're talking with someone. Well, and, and if it is, that's fine. But that's not the kinds of kids I want to follow. Not sure. <laughs> I actually liked the fact that they were jerks for a couple of reasons. One, when you have teenage characters who seem like they're two together and two adults, sometimes you can go, yeah, well, this just feels like, you know, they've, they've taken a voice that they want to write and slapped whatever character characteristics they want on top of it. And, you know, this person who talks exactly the same as the other person is actually someone entirely different. And I also like the fact that so often in specifically the fictions that I get bumped into, you know, your comics and your your escapist stuff, girl characters are kind of stuck in that Hermione vibe where they have to be smart and right, and they, you know, you don't question them. They're the character who has it all together. 
And I kind of like the fact that this is a group of young teenage girls who are kind of jerks. And they're trying maybe to be heroic in some cases, and they're trying maybe to be awesome in some cases, but they're basically just punks like the rest of, you know, the humanity. And you, you have girl characters with flaws and real, real flaws and real character problems that you're just kind of like, I hope they get their act together. I hope that this, you know, makes Kimber less defensive and I hope this makes Elsie less stupid. And I hope that this makes Morgan less standoffish and Jack Wagony. I want this story to turn them into better characters, yeah. but I kind of appreciate that they're hateful in their own way. Anything else that you uh, didn't care for? Mm, well, uh, uh, there is one thing, and that's that I am fundamentally, like at a cellular level, exhausted of <laughs> elementally themed super theme super teams mm-hmm. oh that like, one girl swinging around like a big old chunk of uh, bubble gum right that's it's, her it's, it's her water whip. what because that's one of my complaints when i first saw it i was like what is that supposed to be some kind of a taffy like stuff yeah. and then it's yeah then you figure out it's elemental but and that's one of the reasons why i was questioning being in color because that would really oh yeah. wow yeah that would have helped a lot oh you didn't <laughs> no I'm starting to think that you didn't read the chapter openers that said Elsie the Earth Cow. You know what? No, I didn't. Okay. I all didn't right. at Cause, all. Cause each one of the chapters <laughs> yeah, yeah. opens with them yeah, telling you exactly their name. Well, but the first time the first time you see Ray, that's true. You don't know that's who true. or what that's she actually is. True. And the and she comes in with this big squiggly thing mm-hmm. that and hacks the uh, fire fire owl. Yeah. I no, thought I, I can understand that, that but... was water because we had an earth, an air, and a fire kid in play. So, I mean, I'm not saying that you guys didn't catch that, and I'm better. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm yeah, being facetious. Contextually no, I didn't made sense to me, at least. Uh, I'm trying to read through this uh, this interview with, with Kel. She does. She does say yes. I understand that uh, Sailor Moon people are going to compare it a lot to Sailor Moon. I thought. That, I mean, I thought that was one hundred percent purposeful. Yeah, and that's what yeah. she says because yeah. Sailor Moon is already an introduction to Magic Girl genre. Then mm-hmm. this should be very easy for people to get into. And then she does talk a little bit about uh, the characters being jerks, and you know that that's magical girl jerks. Yeah, uh, genre. Which, but I'm trying to see I, if there's anything that specifically says in here where it is where it set. takes place. Yeah. I was thinking Canada, but I could see Canada. I could also see like the weirdly either northern coast of the United States. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like Oregon or Massachusetts. Yep, exactly, exactly. With and you know, with all of the Gaelic in play, I mean it could theoretically be somewhere in the United Kingdom. I I mean I don't know. The the thing is like I didn't I didn't detect any uh, British slang, no, right. which means yeah. that one of two things happened: either either there was no slang, or more than likely it was just American slang. And I didn't think anything of it. Right? I just guess the 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 relationship between um, Morgan and Elsie seemed very harsh uh, yeah. from living conditions, and I understand that there are, and again, I understand that there are some girls that act that way. Uh, but it seemed more 
like stuff that I'd been exposed to from British television shows than American yeah. television shows. I guess, yeah. There, I mean, there's kind of a, almost a class distinction in play. Yes, definitely. Um, now, when Ray six the cop on the dog in chapter three or chapter four, four, four. And the cop, does the cop have a gun? I don't know. Is he a Bobby? No, he's not he's a Bobby. He's not a Bobby. Is he a Mountie? He's, no, he's not no. a Mountie. He looks like... Um, the dad looks from like, Family Man. Yeah, he looks like yeah, Dell. What's his name? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm guessing this is. Actually yeah, it probably is. It probably is. And I'm just, you know, just. Well, my, and that ambiguity could be a good thing too. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, this could be any town. Any a- town. Anglophilia. No, that's not right. <laughs> Anglophilia. Yes. Yeah. It. It could be Ireland. It could be Switzerland. It could be Mississippi. It's probably not Mississippi, but. It could be, and I think that's important, too. I, I like this, that it's kind of spoiled um, right here in this in the first paragraph of this interview. Um, oh, don't spoiler. They don't know that they're actually the bad guys. Yeah, that's 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 what I figured was coming. Yeah, yeah. That's a spoiler, dude. I know. It's right there in the first paragraph that? of that. Well, and that's pretty clear. Thank you for saving that until after I'd already read all four issues. Yeah, well, but there's still three other volumes. But, I mean, I I think it's pretty clear that when uh, Ray and Kimber are like, well, especially Kimber is saying, hey, the dog is not telling us the whole truth. Why don't we go and research this stuff and ask the questions that we're supposed to be asking if we're supposed to be doing good stuff? You guys, especially the previous two, uh, Morgan and Elsie, are too wrapped up in their own drama and the fact that they have superpowers. Here's here's what I trust the dog. Don't ever trust the dog. The dog is a fuka, my friend. I'm telling you right now. Oh, great. Here's, now I have to put an explicit tag on here. <laughs> here's why I think that could have gone either way. Um, the Arthurian legend is kind of the idea of uh, these sort of like Christian values right. triumphing, triumphing, Triumph. winning over the <laughs> the old ways, right? The mm-hmm. ways of the fairies mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, kind of like uh, pagan uh, rituals of of the uh, of the region. Um, so, and uh, I could have believed that this was kind of a refocus of that of saying, you know what, um, we gave we gave this magical fairy sword to Arthur, and then he s- literally stabbed us in the back with it, um, <laughs> and then we lost the old ways, and blah blah blah. Um, and this would not have been the first work that is, I think like the Mist of Avalon, there's a lot of books and, uh, series that look at things from the point of view of Morgan Le Fay, from the point of view of like the good folk around this sort of thing. Um, so I was thinking like, it's entirely possible that this book is going to take us in that direction. Apparently that's not what it's doing. Apparently it's setting up like the fairies are not on the up and up. And uh, they're kind of manipulating the girls into doing this stuff for them. No surprise if you know anything. About the only background that I can see on on Kill in this interview is that um, uh, family is all Boston Irish Catholic. So there you go for your Northeast. Aha. Uh, Boston. Swing on that. I like this series. I, I kind of I was kind of disappointed to see when I went over to the website that uh, the book is actually ahead of (laughs) the web series. Mm -hmm. And of course that's good because if people, you know, you can get something for free by going to the website. It's, I believe it's sorcery one Oh one is the, uh, the website. 
um, sorcery, I'm sorry, sorcery101.net. Uh, and you can read uh, Misfits of Avalon for free. Or if you'd rather have it collected, Dark Horse Comics has it coming out this week. And you can actually get probably probably about two weeks ahead of where the comic is um, online. But then you're going to have to wait another couple of years for the uh, second <laughs> volume to come out, right? Unless you're reading it every day on the on the website. And I guess that's what I'm kind of disappointed in. I was hoping that they would have had almost done with the second volume online so that you wouldn't have as as long to wait. To get that, but I'm going to bet it's going to be 153. Did you your browser? Let's see. Huh? This is 153 issues have been up. Uh, this updates. Trying to see how often it updates. Uh, it looks like it updates every couple of days. So 160 divided by three is how much? Yeah, about oh, 50 something. So about another year before another volume would be ready to go. Mm-hmm. So 53 is my lucky number. So there you go. I'm on board. Bottom line, Rodrigo. Um, interesting stuff. Interesting premise. Characters are too bickery. I didn't like it. Recommend it. I wouldn't. Okay. Zach. This wasn't for me. I couldn't really get into any of the characters. Uh, I, through this conversation, I realized I know very little about, uh, fairies and King Arthur and all that kind of stuff. So if you don't know any of that, it's probably really not going to be good for you at all. And that's why we're announcing today a new Zach on <laughs> literature, <laughs> literature. <laughs> a new series that we're launching in uh, January, February, February 2015. You yes, know, at some point, game. the boy has to take responsibility. for his <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. One day I will be as old as you. That's right. Guys, and then you'll still be older than me, and you'll still be telling me I don't know everything. He's going to catch up to us. Well, at least you recognize that you don't know. You know, age doesn't work that way, Zach. (laughs) Matthew, what's your your bottom line on this? I liked it, actually, and I would recommend it with a couple of caveats. First of all, you're not dealing with a standard narrative. So, you know, the switching between characters I thought was pretty bold. I liked that different voice each time and i like the fact that by issue four we had the characters talking about each other and we know that those characters you know don't necessarily love each other they may not even like each other that's the best part of it character work is the strength of it the bits of it that are you know magical super sentai girl things i think are pretty much taking all of what you expect of a of a magical girl story and then going, maybe not so much, and here's the side of it that you hadn't thought about. And I like that. I'm good with that. Um, I would say that I wouldn't recommend it necessarily to super young folks, maybe nobody under 13. Oh, yeah, especially with Kimber doesn't understand all of the uh, sexual references that are going oh, yeah. Well, there's a couple of bits of language in it, too. But I think that it's it's a book that I enjoyed enough to want to see how it ends. So, yeah, that doesn't always happen when we do the TPBs either. So, uh, Kel has been doing webcomics since 2008. Oh, uh, there's like 16 different, um, stories that are complete and three ongoing. One is Sorcery 101, uh, Fame and Misfortune. Then of course, Misfits of Avalon are always, uh, updating. So the person knows how to tell stories. Person is familiar with, with, uh, with writing and art and all those kinds of things. I guess, um, I would have liked to have seen more. I like the story um, and I like the concept. Not really, as you said, not really sold on the characters because of their constant bickering. I'm hoping that clear gets cleared up in essentially act two. 
Um, I'm going to say go ahead and try and check it out. Go go check it out on the website because it's free. You're not out any money. And if you do like it and you want to help out uh, Dark Horse Comics and you want to help out um, uh, Sorcery101.net and you want to help us out, then you're going to go over to Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon link, and then order it through there, and everybody gets a little bit of that pie. Yay. And so that's that's one thing to do. Um, so, yeah, there you go. I, I liked it enough. Uh, and say go check it out for free and then decide whether you want to buy it. It's the equivalent of go to the library and, and borrow it from the library. There so. you go. Check it, dig it. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for uh, listening. Thank you for being a part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next week, I think maybe we will go visit some GCPD once again. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page Would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers is copyright 2014Okay, so today we're sitting here with Mason. Hey, Mason. Hey. Say hey to everybody. Hi, everybody. So you've been playing uh, the new Disney 2.0. Yep. Disney Infinity. Yep. What do you think about it? Well, so far I think it's been pretty great. Pretty great? Why? Why? Because it's Marvel and Disney isn't usually, like, a big Marvel well, they, fan. They own Marvel. Until they bought it. Oh, yeah. Good point there. So, well, how's the game? Good. What What are some of the missions that you've done? Well, I can't really name the missions. Yeah, but what are some of the things that you've done? 
done about seven missions. They basically, all the missions I've done include frost giants in them. Yeah. Because all the missions are about, like, ice, mm-hmm. and you're trying to try to break all the ice and kill all the monsters to get past the mission or the level. Yes. Or- so we got you the starter pack that had Thor, Iron Man, and Black Widow. Yep. And then you also opened up packages of Nick Fury, Venom, uh, Captain America. Yep. Anybody else? That's it right now, right? Which one have you like played? Uh, have you liked playing the most? Mm, probably Iron Man and Captain America. Really? Yeah. How come? Because I like Iron Man because he has the missile power and. When he flies up in the air, he has a really cool move when you press Y in. I like Captain America because he has all the cool moves. Yeah. And also, he's my highest level guy. He's at level five. Oh, really? And the rest are like at level one or two. Yeah. Do you think uh, playing this game is better than when you played Disney Infinity before? Like when you were playing The Incredibles? Yeah, because, like, it's 2.0. Wii is doing it on Wii on 1.0. I like that it has more characters on 1.0. Yeah. But. Well, you know there's going to be more coming out. Yeah, I know. It's just, it didn't seem as much fun. Okay. As this one. Okay. And uh, do you think the graphics are better? You think the pictures are better? Mm-hmm. Yeah? What is, the, what is the most fun thing about playing the game? Hmm. Buying the powers? Oh, unlocking the powers? Yeah, because yeah, it works on a, uh, a tree system. So, depending on which way you go and how many points you have, you can unlock specific powers in a a tree set. So, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. kind of cool. That's power building. That's very common in a lot of games these days. Uh, Just like in Diablo 3, you know, you build up your powers based on what you can do. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, What figures are you looking forward to getting next? Well, I'm... Waiting to see if they have Hulk coming out for Xbox Well, that won't be a while, because it's only available right now on the PlayStation 4 as part of the starter set, as part of a special package. So we're going to have to wait a couple months before that comes out. I think maybe that, um, I don't know her name again, but... Which one? From um, what show? Like the regular Avengers, that one little... Oh, Black, Black Widow? No, oh, that... Don't, don't touch that. Little... Oh, you're talking about Wasp? Yeah, Oh, Wasp. okay. Yeah, she was... An, I was surprised to see her pop up as a character. It yeah. would be interesting to see her get a uh, a figure treatment. And, and also... And you could play her. That's what I think cool. is really cool about the game, too, is you can use the 1.0 characters, right. and you can 
and you have to actually have the set on the thing, but it won't work on the Xbox One. Right. So you could basically only use the characters from 1.0 on the on the toy box. Do you do a lot of stuff in the toy box? Do you build worlds in the toy box? Not really. You just like playing the game part of it? Yeah. Yeah. So if you could, if you had five cupcakes and you could give cupcakes to this video game, with five being the bestest game in the world and one cupcake being just meh not very good how many cupcakes would you give this game you don't get to eat any of the cupcakes none of them are for you they're only for the game but based on how good the game is you can give it up to five cupcakes and five cupcakes would mean it's an awesome game i'll give it six well you can only give it five five so it's a five cupcake game? Yeah. Okay. When are you going to play it again next? This weekend, maybe? If you're good? Tonight! No, you've got reading to do tonight, buddy. Sorry. Tomorrow? Yeah, maybe tomorrow. We'll see. you got to get all your homework done first, okay? Right. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by. Say bye to everybody. Bye.